Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Perth. Hello, Paul. Good day, Paul. How you doing? Good day. Oh, I've got a good day. Oh, that's so fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is Mark Asquith, CEO and co-founder at Rebel Base Media, the UK podcasting experts. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, it's time that I started my own podcast. Because as we know, podcasting is a wonderful way to build audience engagement, a wonderful way to interact and connect with your audience. And it's a wonderful way to build your business. Well, you can get started with your own podcast today for just one pound by checking out Captivate.fm, the world's only growth-oriented podcast hosting company, analytics platform, and distribution center. Go and start podcasting today for just one pound at Captivate.fm. Hello, welcome to another episode of Marketed Not Live, the podcast for marketers who are looking to their own community to find out exactly what is working now and what is around the corner in their world. In every episode, we bring you a guest to talk about a specific marketing topic that's going to help you broaden your horizon. So whether you're into branding, video, blogging, podcasting, whatever it is, you're just going to get out of that great big marketing bubble in which you live and broaden your horizons just to be better, frankly. Now, we've got some great guests lined up, including speakers from this year's Marketed Live, which, of course, as you know by now, because we say it every week, takes place on Monday, the 30th of September, 2019, at Nottingham Contemporary in that there, Nottingham. And it would be fantastic and almost mandatory, frankly, that you're there. So if we can see you there, please go and check out marketed.live online. Get your hands on one of the limited number of tickets that are left. Okay, now today's guest is spectacular, frankly. Uh, Paul Ramondo is a sought after keynote speaker on digital marketing. He's a vlogger. You need to go and check out his YouTube channel and all the videos that he does because they're ace. Uh, he's a Facebook ads nerd and he's also founder of Ramondo Media a boutique digital shop that works with clients like Porsche, what? Red Bull, hello, now that's quite fitting, uh, Choice Hotels, Boral, and Australian Sports Nutrition. Now, in addition to running Ramondo Media, Paul also teaches entrepreneurs how to generate leads and sales using Facebook ads and marketing funnels via his e-learning company, funnels101.com. So go and check that out as well. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Perth. Hello, Paul. Good day, Paul. How you doing? Good day. Oh, got a good day. Oh, that's so fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh. well, can I just start off by saying, and I feel like this is the probably the first sentence that came out of my mouth when we did meet Paul. Was you've just got a great name. I just absolutely adore it. It's best name ever. It totally is, mate. It totally is. <laughs> um, in fact, I remember when we first met in person because it was at Social Media Marketing World in San Diego. In was it March? I think it was March, yeah. It was March. And Gavin Bell, friend of the show, uh, speaker at this is Marketed Live, uh, sort of brought you over to our table. And I can't remember whether Mark Schaefer was still at the table at that point or not, but it kind of became this table of basically the best people in the world. <laughs> Oi, I, I, I can't argue with that. I met you, and I'm not sure if you guys have met... This is going to get confusing. I'm not sure if you've met the other Paul, Paul Ince in real life, but uh, he wears some incredible shirts and you're wearing an absolute killer shirt that day. And I remember <laughs> just walking up to you and be like, this guy's got style, this guy's fly and look at that shirt. It's oh, 100. 
do you know what? When there's uh, 5,000 people in a room, you've got to do something to, to stand out, right? <laughs> That's it. And you definitely, you definitely stood out. And then I uh, got the intro from Gavin. What's up, Gavin? And um, yeah, we got chatting and became mates. And here we are. Here we are. You know, I've watched your videos, though, for, for quite a while before actually meeting you in person. And it's always like when you meet someone in real life uh, and you've watched their content, it, it does feel slightly strange because you well, I don't know about you, but I kind of do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hi. As if you knew that I was watching. Uh, I mean, obviously, mm. you know, we've had a chat on stuff be beforehand, but I always find it a bit weird when you meet somebody for the, for the first time because you already know people by the time you watch all of their videos, right? Mm. Isn't it strange? I find it's a very strange. I, find, I do find it weird, and it's also um, I feel like in yeah, no, it's 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 a it's it's a weird. It's a, yeah, I think weird and strange. I'm a bit speechless right now. Like, it is weird and it's strange, and then without the context of knowing that the other person has actually watched your content. Uh, yeah. It also makes it a little bit stranger. And then sometimes like it'll happen when I'm chatting to someone and they'll mention something or they'll, they'll be following me on Instagram or whatever. And then they'll make a, you know, they'll make reference to something that I've done in my content. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like dots connected. I understand like you consume my content and also thank you. That's so lovely. Thank you for watching my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it, ta it takes a while to connect the dots though. Cause you never, <laughs> I always find you never not quite sure what they actually think. You, you know, they might think, God, here's that dickhead. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's the, uh, the default observation that I tend to <laughs> tend to run with. <laughs> like, oh gosh, you watch my content. <laughs> what did I say? Um, the thing that I always remember, and I think I might have referred this to uh, referred you to this when um, when I met you was uh, going down the slide in the morning. I haven't seen so much I of do that. Remember lately. that. Yes, so that's um one hundred percent because it's winter here in Perth, and the slide is usually wet in the mornings, and the sun's not getting up until about seven o'clock in the morning. So I, uh, I we we're chatting about this off the air uh, just earlier, but I'm a massive morning person. Love my morning walk. I do about two to three k's in the morning, and then there's this really cool slide which is like built into this like really nice park close to where I live. And every morning I uh, like going down the slide, like sliding into my day, and it's a good content opportunity, and it's just a bit of fun. Release my inner child at the start of the day, and starts the day off a nice, happy way. Sliding into my day. Um, was that yep. was that a conscious decision to cre to create that that scene and to and to do that frequently? What what was your thought process behind that? That's a fantastic question. Um, no one's ever asked me that before. So yes, it was. I'm I'm always looking for content opportunities in my day to day life. And then I've also tried to incorporate certain like content throwbacks into my stories and into my vlogs to build more resonance and to build more of a community with my audience. Now that was more, that was, that was the kind of goal at the start and it didn't really become, I didn't really see the real value of it. I had the idea. I was like, this would be cool. Maybe people will play along like, you know, a bit of an inside joke with my audience or a bit of an inside thing with my community, but I never really thought that it'd take off. And I, so if you've watched any of my vlogs, so I go to San Diego for social media marketing world every single year. And similar to how I incorporate, you know, in the summertime, me going down the slide and making jokes about that. It's just, I'm just going down the slide. <laughs> just, it's nothing special, but it's just <laughs> what I do. Um, and in San Diego, every time I go, so it's I've been there four years in a row now to social media marketing world. And I'm a massive Blink-182 fan. And there's a song, Blink-182 from San Diego. And there's a song by Blink-182 called Big one eight two called San Diego and it's like San Diego, San Diego. And I incorporated that into like my fourth vlog, I believe, which was the first time that I flew to social media marketing world and have incorporated into a bunch of my Instagram stories and my Instagram content. And now like literally not even people that don't even attend the conference, people just consume my content. They 
it's like a meme. I've made a meme out of that song and like co-branded it one of my favorite bands with my brand. And then every single time in that social media marketing world and people come up to me and they've watched my content, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is they sing the, the chorus of that song. So I guess uh, it's, it's fun. It's, it's really cool. And then you kind of, you've created like this meme, you've placed this little seed in someone's mind and it's, you know, part of an inside joke and it's, it's, it's cool. Well, I mean, I went to um, Tim Shmoya's session in, uh, San Diego this year about uh, YouTube and I'll be honest it's it's not something that I'm an expert in YouTube but I found it really fascinating he was talking about um, I can't remember what the exact fra- phrase was but um, s- sort of key um, or oh, sacred words that was it sacred words mm-hmm. and things rituals and things like that that are, are in videos so I guess this, this this meme this slide this San Diego they're all sort of rituals or little kind of like content signatures yeah probably synonymous with um with i've never heard that terminology before that's really cool um yeah like content signatures and um i think it's cool to have like like a bit the way that i vlog anyway it's quite formulaic in the sense that was formulaic from a strategic perspective because i need to pump out a bunch of content and producing blogs you know you've got audio you've got the video aspect to it and then you've got all the editing and stuff same way to how you produce the podcast and looking for ways to systemize and basically make the process as efficient as possible. So it saves as much time as possible. So one, I can deliver and pump out more content to my audience. And two, I don't have to spend too much time doing it because it is quite time consuming creating that content. And then adding those kind of content signatures in um, is a great way to, you know, help facilitate that, keep things fresh, but also keep the videos aligned and contextual to your own brand. Okay. So I want to explore this then a little bit further. So, um, I mean, I also do want to ask you how you got into to this. So feel free to kind of explain a little bit about how you got into doing all the, the, the vlogs. But talk me yep. through your process of creating um, a, a, a vlog from concept, you know, to, to deciding what the topic should be through to um, recording it, editing it, and then getting it out there. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, here we go. So um, it really variable. it's really variable to what's going on in my calendar. And it's really challenging sometimes like a lot of the time that I'm traveling for business and work creating content's really easy because I'm either creating lifestyle content and then it's just documenting, you know, doing the whole Gary V document, don't create vibe, which is basically super easy and entertaining at the same time when you are traveling for business, speaking at conferences, doing client workshops, um, you know, consulting, and there's just nuggets of wisdom that come uh, through that. So sometimes I won't even really plan. I might have a general idea of what I'm going to be doing, um, for example, when I flew back from, uh, I was in, after San Diego, I was in New York for, uh, six, seven weeks and New York's like my second home. I spent a, I went to college for a bit in the States and I've got, you know, a whole nother life over there. And I was living in New York for six, seven weeks and I was flying home and I wanted to do a version two of one of my most successful videos, which was how to get, um, upgraded to business class and Qantas for free. And that's done, I think like 54 or 55,000 views. And it's also a mini, a mini frequent flyer point funnel within itself, but I'll maybe I'll unpack that in a bit, but basically I wanted to film the version two of that. And in order for me to film that version two, I did a really basic storyboard, which I just storyboard in the notes part of my phone. So I knew that I had to do my intro and I'll actually use this, this vlog example to kind of structure out and give you the blueprint to how I structure my vlogs. So I knew I was traveling home and it was going to be a 37, 38, 38 and a half hour commute. Cause I live in the second most isolated capital city in the world. In fact, and um, you know, I was flying from JFK to LAX, LAX to Sydney, Sydney to Perth, or Sydney, uh, LAX to Melbourne, Melbourne to Perth. And I wanted to create this version two of one of my most successful videos. 
So I knew all the points. I had like four or five, I uh, know actually six talking points. So I had six frequent flyer business class hacks that I wanted to cover. And I wrote down what those six hacks were. And then um, I wrote those down in the notes part of my phone. And then I just use, I've got an iPhone. So I just use the, um, the little tick untick uh, functionality, the checklist functionality in the notes phone, uh, part of my phone. And then I'll just write down what the hack, that, the content that I want to cover is. And then I thought out, okay, where do I want to film these scenes? So the first um, scene of the vlog where I do the intro and the intro within itself is very formulaic. So the intro is um, I do, or before I actually have the intro, which, you know, is stock standard, like 15, 20 second uh, context piece of intro, which is in all of my vlogs. Um, I do a call to action at the start. So the start, the call to action was in this episode of poor one vlogs, you're going to learn six tricks and hacks that I use to get free business class upgrades, roll the intro and the intro goes. And then I'm on the scene for this as I'm on the apartment, the roof of my apartment that I was living at in New York city. And then the intro finishes. And then I'm like, do my, kind of vocal intro, which is G'day, uh, G'day Internet, what's Dolce? My name is Paul Ramondo, and in this episode, you're going to be learning six uh, business class hacks, uh, six tips and hacks to get free business class upgrades, and I say a bunch of other stuff, and get a bit of context in terms of what the journey um, that we're having is, and then it goes into a bit of B-roll, which connects you know, me moving from the apartment or getting an Uber from the apartment to uh, the airport and then in the business class lounge or the Amex lounge or sorry, the American airlines lounge at JFK, I then do the first two tips and then I get onto the uh, aircraft and kind of rinse and repeat throughout the other scenes um, of that vlog. So the other scenes being in LAX, so I was in the first class lounge there, tried to film, uh, but didn't have enough time. So I was going to miss my flight, which has definitely happened to me before because <laughs> a lot of the time when I am traveling, I'm filming content and when I'm filming content, I kind of like time disappears. And then all of a sudden my name's over the PA and it's like, poor Mondo, you are <laughs> about to take off and <laughs> we need you to board the plane. <laughs> um, so yeah. And I basically, that's how I structure out the vlogs in the most basic way uh, possible. And because I've been doing it, I think I've done like 42 or 43 episodes. Now I've done, I did 21 weekly uh, vlogs in a row um, this year and I'm just wow. on a mid season break at the moment cause it does, it's a bit of a grind. Yeah. Um, and then the outro, uh, is the, I mean, the call to action outro. So once I finished all the content, the call to action outro is something along the lines of, um, anyway, that there concludes this episode of the vlog. If you're not already subscribed, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. I drop new videos every single Thursday, 6am Pacific, 9am Eastern, 9pm Australian Western Standard time zone. And apart from that, let's cue the explosion. I will see you next Thursday. Peace. And then I slap the camera and then it's an explosion. And then it's my end card. And obviously I've done that many, many times. I'm just rattle off the top of my head. Uh, the first few times, Paul, that I did try to have a bit more structure in my vlogs and a bit more of a formula to my vlogs. And I think this is just part of you do anything enough and it becomes really, really easy. Those parts of my vlogs are now the easiest. I don't have to think about it. And then when you're editing them, when you've got a structured intro and you've got structured things that you say in terms of the call to action with your outro, you know, calling call to action being subscribe or find out more or whatever, it just makes filming and editing so much easier because instead of having to film or take, you know, multiple takes, it's just talk to the camera one and done. It's great delivery. You're not repeating yourself. And yeah. Because you know it, you know, off my heart. That's right. it. That's okay. It. So, so having that structure as a creator essentially makes the process more straightforward and streamlined because you don't have to think about it. And therefore it's it, like I say, it's, it's one and done. And then <coughs> the only thing that you really have to consider is the, the core the core content, so therefore it's correct. It's efficient. Okay, um, I want to ask you about uh, some of the things you've said there. Then, so the the structure of that way you're saying, you know, in this video I'm going to, uh, you know, and blah blah blah, and then roll the roll the titles or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I've always wanted to know why on YouTube in particular that's that's the way that it's done. Is it is it just so that people can decide whether or not to watch the rest of the video? Or is there some kind of other tactic in there to, to, to do with audience retention? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So the name of the game, especially in, on YouTube in 2019, is audience retention and watch time. And you basically want to be doing everything in your video to keep people's attention. You want to keep those eyeballs on you and on the screen because you want to get as much watch time as possible. And, you know, can, you can do a bunch of YouTube SEO stuff, um, which we can unpack in a bit if you'd like. But primarily you want to be creating, and it's the name of the game, and it's the name of the game has always been, but creating quality content which maintains people's attention. And there's a lot of ways that I've learned just through, you know, consuming other people's and other uh, creators' content. But for me, I I mean, <laughs> if you've watched any of my content before, you'll probably, probably be able to understand that I'm pretty high energy and that's just naturally like how I am as a person, which also tends to be quite good. I definitely, I always say that if you meet me in real life, a lot of people meet me in real life that consume my content have a chat with me and they're like, Oh, you're actually quite chill in real life. I mean, I'm pretty hectic, but like I'm a pretty chill guy. And that's them only knowing me through my content. Cause when I'm got a camera in front of me, I'm basically my volume, my personality is 12 out of 10 as opposed to a 10 <laughs> out of 10. And that's because I'm trying to keep people's attention. I'm trying to keep, right. keep people engaged. And if you look at the way in which all my vlogs are cut as well, there's a lot of jump cuts. So I'm basically there's something new happening every five to 10 seconds, unless I'm really drilling down on a point. And that's to keep people interested because especially on an environment like YouTube, it's just so easy to swipe to the next video. And if you're trying to optimize the watch time, you really need to keep people's attention. And then one of the great ways that I found to do that is by just keeping things fresh and just jumping and just being not all over the place, but just keeping people's attention by jump cutting from scene to scene to scene from point to point to point. See, I can understand the the, uh, the the change the change of scene, but I hadn't really thought about the jump cut thing and and it being used as a way to keep people's attention. I'd always assumed that a jump cut was literally there to um, make sure that that well to to cover someone making a mistake. Really, that's a, that's a great it's a great observation. So jump cuts are great for you know fixing up people's arms or fixing up people's mistakes, but they're also great for turning, say, let's say you're doing a, a pseudo B-roll scene where I'm walking from my, let's say I've done an intro in my home studio and then I'm about to go get in a car outside. So a jump cut from me. So that's, that's, there's like four or five different scenes in order for it before I get in that car. There's me in the apartment and then there's me turning off my lights, me closing my door, me opening the elevator, me getting out of the elevator, me going through the double um, doors at my apartment building and then me getting in a car, maybe more than five. Right now I could film the whole thing, which I do, but it doesn't make any sense to make people go on that two to three minute journey with me. It's just like bang, 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 bang. And then like the context, this visual storytelling has basically said, okay, you've been in your apartment and now you've gone through, you've gone through your apartment, you've left your apartment. Now you're in the car as opposed to just leaving it, um, leaving the camera rolling. And then also when you're doing talking head pieces, which is basically where you're talking directly to the camera, it's a great way of taking out irrelevant information. I also tend to ramble. And um, when I, especially when I don't really know what I'm talking about, I'll ramble. And if I'm trying to make a point, I can make that point maybe 30 seconds through jump cuts as opposed to making them sit through a minute and a half of me just talking smack to the camera. <laughs> nice. Okay. Right. Well, okay. So I'm going to watch YouTube videos in a whole different, different light. Cause I just thought, like I was people kind of breaking the mistake. fourth wall there, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about this SEO stuff then, this this optimizing. You mentioned um, retention, watch time are the things that are important 
uh, in 2019. As I understand it from listening and watching other people, that's that's all to do with their algorithm and, and whether you're served as the, the result or the suggestion. Is that right? Yes, 100%. And then also whether you're ranking for a comp- or for the keyword in which you're, you've optimized your video's content for in the search results. Okay. So watch time, it used to, I mean, YouTube algorithms are continually changing and I'm definitely not an es- expert on, on YouTube and I won't pretend to be, but in terms of my understanding and my experience with it, it's watch time being one of the biggest factors and then also doing your YouTube SEO. So we, you, you asked me earlier in terms of how do I plan out or find content ideas or how do I you know, plan out a vlog? A lot of the time, if I'm creating content as opposed to just documenting what I'm doing, documenting what I'm doing is very last minute. Um, which is really easy because it's just a matter of like filming what you need to film, doing the intro, doing the outro, and then finding the story in the middle of it. Yeah. Or sometimes an easier way that I've found to do it if I'm, you know, just things are hectic in the business and I know I'm going to be doing some cool things, I'll just film content throughout the week. So I might, for example, a few weeks ago, I did a podcast and um, in that podcast, I was being asked how I use my top of the funnel content. Well, yeah, top of the funnel content being the vlog and repurpose that into micro content automatically on autopilot through the team that I've built to distribute content out to my Instagram, which then leads people back up my content funnel to view my macro content and then also generate leads and sales. So I spoke about that at length in the podcast I did a few weeks ago and I knew I was going to be doing that podcast. Now I didn't know what we were going to be speaking about specifically, but I just filmed the whole podcast and then retrospectively I then did the intro and then I was like, I'll let Paul from the past take away, uh, take it away. And then I just jump cut back in time to the actual podcast. So I've done the intro and the outro. Actually, I did the outro straight after the podcast because I knew it was I'd have to do the outro and it was just going to be easy for the edit. But then I did the intro retrospectively once I'd found the story that I wanted to tell and optimize for on YouTube. I get it. Okay. Do you do any kind of research then in terms of the actual, in terms of content that you want to create? Do you do any research to to establish what people are maybe searching for or things like like that? Does that have an impact on or influence rather on what you decide to create the content about? Yes, 100%. So for example, with the frequent flyer or how to get free business class upgrades um, blog that I was telling you about earlier, I had already done keyword research for that years ago before I created the first iteration of that vlog. And I knew it was, it was a very successful vlog and I optimized it correctly and optimized it, optimized it well, which is why it did, I think it's ranking number one or two for the key, the title keyword. And I wanted to do a second version of it. So I went and did my keyword research again. And I use a tool called TubeBuddy, which is a Google Chrome right. plugin. Heard and there's that. a free version of that. And there's also a, say again, sorry. I've heard of that. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, so I started using the free version and then I've moved on to the paid version because it just gives you a lot more power. It's basically like Google Keyword Planner for YouTube and it gives you an idea of, okay, which keywords are competitive and it really helps you narrow down and find what, what is known as golden keywords. So working out which keywords are going to be the best ones for you to optimize for given your channel genre, given the um, number of subscribers that you have and also given the success of your previous content. And that allows you to position yourself A golden keyword is basically a keyword that has a really high amount of search traffic, but has a low level of competition in terms of ranking. And if you can create content around those golden keywords, which are related to the niche in which you're situated in, then you're going to have a really high chance of getting a lot of free traffic because if it's got low competition and high search, so let's say there's two to 3000 searches a month and there's really close to no competition and you start ranking anywhere between position one and five, 
you know, above the fold on YouTube search, then, and you've got an attractive thumbnail and an attractive title, you know, clickbait, all that, then, you know, that's a few thousand free views every single month. And you'll start to grow in views and grow in your rankings, assuming that your content is optimized for watch time. People, Allah, people actually watch your content in full and or give you a decent average watch time. And that will help you. The algorithm will basically push you up in the search rankings, which will then lead to more and more views. Cool. I, I like tools like, like that. And it's very similar actually to other forms of content creation where people are doing that research. Um, I'm wondering like for, for, for you personally or your business, what has been the outcome of, of doing all of these videos apart from getting free first class travel or whatever? <laughs> um, that's a great question. So for me, the vlogs, it's, it's a, it's, it's an interesting hybrid between being a nerdy, passionate thing that I get to do and label as business work. And from a, I guess, from a commercial perspective, it allows me to have a really steady stream of fresh original content that I can then repurpose on Facebook and on Instagram and on LinkedIn that I repurpose from the top of the funnel content. So let's say that I do a 15 minute or 20 minute vlog, there could be at least four to seven to nine different pieces of micro content that can be repurposed, you know, little one to you know, three minute clips that I can put on IGTV that allow me to keep pushing out original content that's value oriented to my audience on Instagram, which is a lot larger than my audience on YouTube. So from a content perspective for my business, it's been absolutely fantastic from a pursuing the nerdy passions. And I find, I find doing the videos, it's very cathartic sense of release. And I really, I just really, really enjoy it. And the other really strong thing it's done has been building brand equity with my audience and giving my audience a real touch site and a real insight into what I do behind the scenes or what I do in my business and in my life and then strengthening that trust and that brand equity with my audience. What do your customers think about it? My customers, my clients, my customers, yeah. my clients, they know me very well and they see me on camera and they know that, I mean, what you see is what you get with my vlogs. But like I said earlier, Paul, it's my, uh, <laughs> my volume of personality is uh, dialed up to a, a nice, a nice heavy 12 out of 10. And yeah, my customers and clients, they're still my customers and clients and they really enjoy it. So uh, <laughs> I think I'm doing something right. So it fits. All right. Um, I want to touch on other formats for a sec. So you mentioned IGTV just just there. Um, and obviously Facebook wants to be all in on, on video. Um, what is the platform to, to pick? Uh, I mean, I, I'm assuming it's going to be YouTube. But if so, what do you make of all these other platforms, particularly IGTV and whether or not that's going to work in the end? I feel like it's all variable to whatever your business purpose use for it is at the end of the day. I mean, all of the platforms are just ways to distribute your content and you've just basically got to choose variable to what you're selling at the end of the day, what platform you want to go all in on to begin with. So if you're running an e-com store and you want to still sell stuff online, I would probably recommend going Instagram. Instagram's in my experience has been one of the best platforms for doing e-commerce and selling e-commerce products. And I feel like just mapping your content to wherever it is that your audience is the most concentrated variable to what you're selling is always going to be the best move. So with my YouTube stuff, I've kind of ticked both of those boxes because my, the majority of my audience is on Instagram and, and on YouTube. So by doing the YouTube videos and that having that macro content, which I can then repurpose into micro content for use and distribution on my Instagram, which then feeds back into my YouTube and then feeds back into my website. It allows me to cross both of those platforms and mine as much value and effort out of the work that I've done and get as much content from that work that I've done as possible. 
Uh, what do you <laughs> think to the, the fact that IGTV has like introduced the the landscape stuff? Because there's a few purists out there who aren't very happy about it, and yet I hear other people saying, "Oh, yeah, it's brilliant because now." Um, it's just going to mean that we can repurpose our YouTube videos, or, or it's just easier for us. So therefore, um, it's it's going to be be great. Is, is that a sign? Is, is is that something you think is good? Do you think that Facebook have introduced it because they're concerned about IGTV? I think there's been a bunch of big moves by Facebook slash Instagram that have really, really put a spotlight on the flop that IGTV was when it when it originally launched going behind the scenes, like a lot of my favorite content creators, you know, with millions of um, plus followers uh, were all, uh, you know, courted uh, by, by IGTV. And um, I'm not sure if everyone remembers when it launched, but there were a lot of huge, huge, there was a lot of buzz around IGTV when it launched and the buzz was not really, it, it didn't really live up to the hype. And we then saw, Instagram make the push with the algorithm changes, you know, late last year, earlier this year with posting IGT videos to the feed and those videos just getting a ridiculous amount of views and a ridiculous amount of uh, jump in engagement, mainly because they were being prioritized and distributed because there was a point late last year where IGTV in my mind and in, in my feed was, was dead. And my feed is highly curated with a lot of people that look like me, have similar avatars to me in terms of content creators, Instagram, Facebook marketers, and no one was using it. And then the second that they changed and gave you that algorithmic spike in terms of traffic and views, a lot more people started paying more attention to the IGTV side of things because it's free traffic. So I think that um, a lot of the moves they've made with the latest one being the switch to um, the landscape format for IGTV, I would suggest that, yeah, I think they are concerned. But again, I feel like we win as the consumer or as, a, as marketers, really, we win because we've just got another way in which we can one repurpose format in a non, you know, in, in a widescreen as opposed to a vertical uh, full screen uh, format to mm -hmm. tell our stories and to create more touch points with our customers. Okay, so stick with IGTV. Give it a go. Uh, see if it works for you and your, your business. I do like what you said there about the e-commerce stuff because I agree, actually. I do see a lot of potential for for, for that if you've got e-commerce and... 100%. Yeah, yeah, just the whole shopping tag thing. Oh, by the way, can you sh can you tag can you tag a, an IGTV video with, like, shopping tags? Oh, that's stuff? a great question. I've, I'm not... I don't know the answer. I'm going to say no. I think don't no. Don't quote me on that. Um. But potentially, I, I know you can definitely do the, the photos. And I've seen the photos with the shopping tags. Yeah. But I've never seen an IGT video to IGTV video with the shopping tags. I mean, that's that's got to come, surely. I mean, that would make that would make sense. I mean, you can do it in stories, so it would make sense if you can do it in IGTV. Mm. I don't know whether that kind of dilutes what it is, but I do it's see I do see lots of potential, particularly with younger audiences who are totally living their lives through Instagram doing all their shopping. I totally agree. You know. And it's interesting as well. There's, there's, I've got, you know, a bunch of, I've got access to a, a number of accounts that I run myself and then a number of accounts we run on behalf of our clients, as well as uh, a number of my friends' accounts. And there is at least, I'm going to say that I've been exposed to five to six different um, front-end and back-end versions of Instagram rolling around at the moment. So depending on when your account was created and the genre of your account, whether it's a business account or a personal account, from the in-camera creation functionality features to the actual way in which your, your feed is visible to, um, or to what you see on your feed to 
uh, your ability also to what your actual Instagram and people's uh, account pages look like. There's all of these different iterations of the actual Instagram experience rolling around on different people's accounts. And I find that really interesting. I think they're still playing around and I think they're still collecting their data as to what the move and what the future of the platform is going to be like, because I feel like Instagram is the, uh, it's, it's such a high, it's such a high growth and highly profitable, uh, app for the Facebook family. And it's going to be very interesting to see which direction they choose to go in. Right. Forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Com- completely agree. There was actually an article here in the UK yesterday. Uh, when I say yesterday, we're recording this in July, so by the time this goes out, it won't be yesterday. <laughs> but there's an article about how in Britain, Facebook use has dipped by a third, which is an yep. amazingly big amount. I don't know whether that's the same in Australia or, or you're getting a sense of that. But, um, oh, 100%. I, I feel like without, from my own personal, from my my own personal perspective, my, my opinion, and also those of everyone that I uh, market for the, and also just looking at the stats from, you know, the clients that we manage, the cost for acquisition of Facebook has gotten a lot higher. I think that's a byproduct of two things. One, uh, exactly what you said, Paul, people's user, um, people engaging with the Facebook app has just decreased a lot and they've shifted over to Instagram and, or, or away in general. And then two, it's never been more expensive and it will continue to get more expensive running ads on Facebook and in the Facebook ecosystem. Mm, yeah, it's uh, strange times we, li- we live in, but, um, you know, change or die is, is certainly the, the case. Um, I, I want to uh, ask you, it's, it's sort of in, in this fantastic conversation that we've had where we've sort of merged seamlessly from one topic to another, I'm just going to completely like just jump here in a kind That's of right. jump cut type sure. of way to keep people's attention uh, and ask you about One True North. Oh, because this is about my band. Yeah, this is this this is your this is your band, and I only know about your band because I've seen your content and you posting about it. Now, to to be fair, I'm not sure how much of that I've seen on YouTube versus Instagram. I feel like I've seen it mainly on on Instagram, but I'm wondering how is is that just is that a deliberate part of the strategy to kind of meet the real Paul Ramondo, or are you just trying to flog music sales? Uh, uh, look, bit of column A, bit of column B. Um, the way that I look at my brand is it, it, my brand is me. So I look at my brand as a lifestyle brand and the thing that I'm selling is really me at the end of the day. And as a byproduct of getting in bed with me in the business sense, you're then exposed to all that is brand poor Ramondo. And at the end of the day, I help entrepreneurs generate highly qualified leads and sales. But as part of the way that I view the world and as part of the way that I market myself and as also as a part of, you know, just the point of difference, I feel like everyone's, you know, competitive advantage and everyone's point of difference to everyone else. Because there's so, Paul, there's so many people that look like me in terms of uh, what they do and, you know, their skill set and what they monetize. There's the, the marketplace and the space that I operate in is so crowded. And I truly believe the biggest point of difference and the biggest competitive advantage that I have is myself. And people choose to do business with me because they want to do business with Paul Ramondo. And, you know, I might not be, I'm not the best marketer. I'm not the best musician. I'm not the best vlogger, but I feel like all of those aspects of my personality, my personal life, uh, all aspects of my brand and all reasons as to why, uh, and all, all avenues in which I use to help personify what is brand PR. Because if you like what you see, then you're going to like who you work with, right? hundred percent. And I think it's just, you know, like I'm just a regular dude, you know, just regular dude. I used to be a massive emo kid. 
that I never really got to uh, pursue any of my music ambitions and goals and passions when I was younger. And I've had the opportunity to pursue that in later life. And I've got an audience that, um, you know, some of them like that music and some of them don't, and that's totally cool. And yeah. Well, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely think that uh, you should go and check out one true North on Spotify. Cause you're now on Spotify. I notice, which, yes. uh, you know, it seems to be a slightly more challenging thing to, to, to do. Uh, one of my team actually has, uh, music and he's just on Spotify as well. So I get a little bit of insight from, from that, but go and check out one true North and go and have fun with some of the emo pictures with Paul, mm-hmm. with his bangs and, uh, you know, clearly owned a pair of straighteners. Uh, back oh, yeah, I still got my GHD. <laughs> uh, okay, right. I've got some questions that I want to ask you, uh, which are questions that we've asked everybody else just to uh, sort of compare and contrast. Is that all right? 100%. Right, let's go. All right, so I want to ask you who's killing it in marketing right now? Gavin Bell. Because? Mate, Gavin Bell's brand, what Gavin Bell's doing, the community that he's built and what he's got in store, the value that he provides, utility he provides through his content. I mean, I'm definitely biased because, you know, Gavin and I are good mates. But let me tell you that that man has got big things ahead of him. Completely. I mean, for for one thing, yeah, uh, he's got great big things in September, on September the 30th, let me tell you. Have you guys got your tickets? That's what I want to know. <laughs> um, you guys going to market live? That's what I want to know. Everybody should be right. Um, where, and Paul, where can where can they find out more about that if they wanted to buy tickets or learn well, more about that event? Where would they go? Thanks for asking, Paul. Uh, they can find out you, by going to marketed.live and checking out all of the details, including what Gavin is speaking about, because we've worked very hard to create sessions that are going to be useful for people, rather than just go right. Okay, here's your standard speaking topic. Mm. Uh, the, the one that you regurgitate at every conference that you speak at. You know, these mm-hmm. these are individual crafted sessions and it's going to be so awesome. I'm so, I'm so pleased. I've heard Gavin speak a, a few times, actually. He's amazing. He's, He's great. Amazing. He's really great. Uh, uh, so, okay, right. So, um, Gavin Bell, nice one. Best technology that you're using at the moment? Oh, I've automated a lot of my home. I really enjoy my HomePod. I mean, I do tell Siri that I'm going to, I do tell my... I joke around with my HomePod and I tell her that I'm going to cut her cord at least three or four times a day. And I don't know, I don't know whether that's making it not work as well as what it should be. Um, <laughs> that said though, I, I've automated my whole HomePod. So I love my HomePod. Here's a little hack for everyone listening. So if you've got an iPhone, you're in the Apple ecosystem. I've created a bunch of different reminder lists, right? So I've got a video ideas list. I've got a shopping list. I've got a to-do list, a to-sell list, a to-buy list, all these different lists, right? And these are all my iCloud. So when you're on the home network, when you're at home and when I'm cooking and let's say I'm in the fridge and I'm like, oh damn, I need some more tomato sauce or that's if you keep tomato sauce in the fridge or whatever, I need some more milk, right? I just go and I'm not gonna, I won't say the hay, but I go blank Siri, add milk to my shopping list just out loud. And it's a really great way of just getting things in your head and moving them out of your head so you just don't have any clutter and it's just a great way to save time and a great way to just keep things top of mind and that or not to have them not top of mind. And then when you go to the shops to buy whatever it is you need to buy, you just, I tap my AirPods and I'm like, what's on my shopping list? Well, like, yeah. Siri, what's on my shopping list? I don't want to say it because it's going to activate it. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> Siri just reads out everything that's on my shopping list. And then I just tick it off once I've got it and add it to my trolley. Okay. You have to run around the supermarket if it's going to reel off your shopping list pretty quickly. 
Also, just it just says says them, and then um, you know you've got a general idea of what you want, or you can just pull up the reminder um, notes on your phone, and yeah. then just tick them off as you walk through the shopping center. Awesome, good good hack there. Okay, uh, best podcast that you're listening to? Uh, Joe Rogan for sure. I do consume a lot of marketing podcasts, but uh, I do also really enjoy lifestyle podcasts. And uh, Joe Rogan has some amazing de- guests, and also Impulsive with Logan Paul. Incredible, incredible podcast. Oh, some now somebody else, somebody else has mentioned that. I'm gonna have to go and re-listen to the other episodes. Somebody else mentioned uh, Paul Logan's podcast. So okay, so that's a good one. Um, right, ad that you're seeing on TV, radio, online, wherever that you think is fantastic at the moment, and why? Oh, that's a great question. I see so many ads; it's really hard to net. Or um, there was some really great. I can't even put my finger on that. So yeah, I I won't be able to answer that, mate. I just see so many ads. I think the last ad that actually made me purchase something was an Instagram e-commerce ad, and Instagram is the only place which I've been cold targeted. Okay. Buy a brand that I've no idea about and then purchased within seven days of being cold targeted. And that last company was called, I believe, Brickle, which is they got funded over a million dollars on um on Kickstarter. And whoever's running their Facebook ads is very, very clever. So break the fourth wall. Whoever's running the Facebook ads for this company uh, are targeting people that are traveling and or that have recently been traveling and they're basically selling a toiletries bag and it's like the most boss toiletries bag that you could ever think of getting it's it's so sick paul it's so sick it just solves all of my pain points that i what have does around it do? having a toiletries bag what does it do it's, it's just a standard toiletries bag but it's just been had a really great designer i really methodically think about all the things that you would need all the different sections um the material that's made out of is incredible um i've had a lot of because i do travel a lot i've had a lot of toiletries bags that I've gone through that have led to, you know, my hair mousse like exploding in my <laughs> luggage and ruining half my clothes and, um, you know, other toiletries bags that, you know, if I'm in like a really small hotel and there's not much of a, cause I'm, I'm a bit of a, uh, bit of a princess with uh, all my <laughs> amenities and toiletries. And if I'm trying to use my toiletries and there's not much of a, you know, a countertop, then it's just really frustrating to try and get it ready. So this, this bag solves that problem by giving you like hooks and you can basically hang it up. And then it, as you hang it up, it exposes all of the different sections of the pockets. So it's basically oh, wow. become this, it's really, really cool. And it was really, really cool. So I, uh, I bought myself one of those straight from the Instagram ad and also bought uh, one of my staff members one as a birthday present. I love stuff like that. Like I have to say that I am, I am Instagrams and, and basically a brand's dream because i just see something and i swipe up and uh, you know if it if it looks the thing that i need then i buy it that's so, it and even if you haven't and the second you swiped up and even if you're like oh i might just think about that for a little bit you know you're being retargeted for the next yeah few weeks, oh, so. oh, t- <laughs> totally totally i've i've run um workshops before where i've tried to demonstrate like how this works and we've picked basically the wrong type of um, business or industry and then constantly I'm served like ads for ladies underwear or I promise I'm not just looking at uh, you know just like the wrong kind of things but it's really interesting how it, how it works right okay I'm going to check out that um, that oh, that's cool. I, I also yeah also shopping in that genre a lot mate <laughs> <laughs> okay um, right uh, my other question of why 
well, to get us to talk about marketing life, we've kind of done. So um, I want to know um, how people can get in touch with you if they're interested in watching your videos or learning a bit about uh, a bit more about who you are, if they want to kind of like download One True North stuff, tell people where they can get a hold of you. Yeah, so the best place to get in contact with me uh, and I reply to every single message and comment that I get will be on Instagram. So it's just Paul Ramondo, R-A-M-O-N-D-O. Or you can go to paulramondo.com, same spelling, R-A-M-O-N-D-O.com forward slash YouTube to check out my YouTube channel. Excellent. Paul, thank you so much. You've been a great guest on today's show. It's it's always a great pleasure to to, to talk to you. We have lots of fun when we when we chat. So um, absolutely, I look look forward to chatting to you some more uh, on Instagram and everywhere else. And uh, thanks for coming on. Also, just before before I go, uh, if you guys haven't got your tickets to Marketed Live, that's it's Marketed Live. Is that correct? That's right. And Mr. Gavin Bell is speaking at that. So go check that out. And I can guarantee you guys will have an amazing time if you're in the UK and you're able to attend. You, sir, are a gent. Well, that's all for this episode of Marketed Not Live. If you've enjoyed today's show, you know, please leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Help us spread the word about this and about Marketed Live 2019 on the 30th of September in Nottingham. Remember that our event is designed to bring you experts from all marketing disciplines. It's a general marketing event. It's not specifically related to one discipline. And the reason for that is that we believe that it makes you a better marketer if you've at least got some knowledge of how all of this stuff fits together. So if marketing is your thing, we really need to see you there in September. Visit marketed.live for all the info on speakers, travel options, accommodation, read the blog post from your fellow attendees and speakers. And if you want to contribute to the blog, all you've got to do is write it, send it in to hey at marketed.live. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.